0: Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times, you may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now let's join our host, Paula Harris.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode number 156 of Worldwide Wonderful Women. And the title of this episode is Isaiah and God. We're going to have a blessing going through Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 13 this month. We're going to look at the celestial and verses 1 to 4, the confession, verse 5, the consecration, verse 6 to 7, and the call, verse 8, and then the commission in regards to Isaiah and verses 9 to 13. So let's look at verses 1 to 4 and get a blessing today. We're going to be looking at the celestial. Now the celestial is in reference to the heavenly or spiritual realm. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. As I said in the blog of this month, it appears that the death of King Uzziah marked the passing of like a golden age in the southern kingdom of Judea. Uzziah was a godly king, but then He disobeyed when he entered the temple, and so he was struck with leprosy. And by being struck with leprosy, that made him ceremonially unclean. So then he had to live in isolation until the time of his death. Well, Israel then didn't seem to have a leader who could deal with the corruption that happened during the year of Uzziah's isolation. So burdened, Isaiah came to the temple to pray. And it was in the temple that he had a vision that God had given him and renewed his belief and hope. This vision produced a deep conviction of sin in the prophet himself and brought him to the place of confession and special consecration of service for the true king of kings. Looking at verse one again, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Here in the verse, what Isaiah is seeing is the heavenly throne room. Yet we know the Israelites understood that the temple in Jerusalem was where they experienced God's earthly dwelling or presence. So here Isaiah is given a vision by God. He sees him in that beautiful, majestic throne room. And then it says it was high and lifted up. High and lifted up means exalted. It symbolizes God's position before all the nations. He is the only one that should be exalted or deserves to be high and lifted up in our lives. And then it makes reference to his train His train refers to his robe. So his royal robe is talking about his royalty or his majesty. And so this is what Isaiah is beholding. He's seeing God sitting upon the throne of the universe. When you look at that word train, which means bottom edge or hem or skirt of the robe, it appears to be saying his whole presence, majesty cannot ever be contained in a temple, You know, we know in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, Solomon had stated that no temple could contain God and that, in fact, even the heavens couldn't contain him. So here, when it says the train filled the temple, it's just really talking about just, I guess, just a minute part of God because really nothing can contain God, but there was a evidence of his presence there. So here, and just in verse 1, one, we're seeing the celestial in that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Then, verse two says, Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with two they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they did fly. And so here, the word seraphim means burning ones. So really try to picture this. Isaiah has this vision, and all of this glorious, celestial things are seen before him. He's seeing the presence of God and such a magnitude of glory, and now the angels, the seraphims, which means burning ones. Here, they're covering their face with two wings, which might indicate their humility or reverence before God. They're covering their feet with two other wings, which may denote their service to God. And then they're flying with the other two, which may make reference to their ongoing service and activity in proclaiming the holiness and the glory of God. Because the seraphim, as we look here in these verses were focusing on the holiness of God. Look at verse 3. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, holy means unique, set apart, unlike all others. So basically, when they're saying holy, 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 they're acknowledging that God Is not one among many, but that he is the one and only. Again, he is set apart. He is unlike anyone else. Now, some people say that they say holy, holy, holy three times in reference to the Trinity the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit. But then you'll also hear someone say that holy, holy, holy is simply the Hebrew way of affirming that something is very important. So here, these seraphims are meditating on God's holiness. And just as the angels do this, we need to do the same in our everyday walk. And when we do that, it's automatically going to lead to adoration and worship just like it did with the angels. God's holiness describes his character. The threefold holy, holy, holy of the seraphims expresses his unmatched, supreme, beyond comparison degree of holiness that is found in God. And so, of course, there's no sin in God. And so, in no measure... Is there the slightest hint of impurity, unrighteousness, untruth, injustice, or question of use of his power? Now, of course, when you come to us and you think about mankind, unrighteousness, impurity, untruth, and all seems to be very relevant now, but not God. And so I hope that we can see this in regards to what Isaiah saw, in his vision. So then it goes on in verse three, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When you see the Lord of hosts, that's making reference to our Lord being the commander over all the armies. And we also know that our Lord has already won the war. Now, we might have some battles to fight here on earth, but we have won already. Jesus Christ has completed everything that is necessary for us to have the victory over death and sin. And so here, the war has been won. It is complete, but we won't see all the manifestation of it until Jesus comes back. Here, the Lord of hosts is what he sees in this vision. And it talks about the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, when you talk about the glory of the Lord, you're talking about the manifestation of his presence, of his splendor, and of his dignity. So you see why I'm saying that verses one to four has to do with the celestial in regards to Isaiah and God, because in this vision, he was able to see that which was very profound spiritually, that was heavenly and beyond anything that we can imagine here. And then verse 4, it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of them that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. The seraphims are declaring the glory of the Lord and how holy he is. And here in verse 4, we just see manifestation of power once again. Now, of course, in these verses, we try to just see the celestial. There's just no way to describe God. But the one thing that I love about him is how he does manifest his presence with us. And the other thing that we need to be mindful of is that God himself is sitting upon the throne. Yes, we have many human rulers, and they come and they go. But we need to be reminded again and again that God is still in control of the affairs of this world. He's holy. There's no one like him. He is glorious, and we can see the manifestation of him as we continue to seek him and desire to know him in our lives on a daily basis. Well, I trust that you will. Join us again next week as we continue this whole experience of Isaiah and God. And also, I want to encourage you to please come to our conference that's going to be held on October the 27th. Women are already registering to come to this, so you don't want to wait until October. It's going to be too late. At the end of August, the early bird discount will be finished, and then you're going to hope that you can get a seat if you wait until September. So, please don't delay. Go to our website given at the end of this podcast and register so that you can be there. It's going to be a wonderful time of spiritual growth for you. Bring some girlfriends and come and not miss it. Well, I just trust that you're going to be with us this month as we talk about Isaiah and God. And in the meantime, smile. Jesus loves you.
0: Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to twmforjesus.org. That's T-W-M like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.